Welcome to our podcast. I'm Karen Avari. And I am Nula Gage. Together, we are the safety collaborators and co-founders of Safety Collaborations. We help people change the way they think about safety. In fact, we are passionate about it. Our free podcasts intend to share nuggets of wisdom that will challenge your perspectives, potentially solve a nagging problem, share actions that you can implement, and give you at least one aha moment. Join us weekly, and let's change the way people think about safety together. Now, let's get on with the show. Good afternoon, listeners, and Karen, and welcome back to this week's episode. Karen, you and I were chatting a little bit earlier about the busyness that has taken over the world of work and just life in general. Mm. And one of the things we spoke about was around how do people actually get anything done when it seems like meetings are just booked back to back? There's not a single gap or moment in between. And we're just on this, this drive to just constantly be busy. And you were mentioning with some of the online and virtual sessions that you've been running that people just literally seem to be going from one thing to the next. And when you ask, well, how do you get anything done? You get a very interesting reaction. So share with us a little bit more about your experience this week. And it has happened a couple of times this week uh, as I've been running two different times, two sessions. And one example in particular, at the end of a workshop we ran, he said, oh, I don't know. I, said, I actually asked everybody because they all start off by going, we're just really super busy. You ask anybody how they are, they're oh, we're just super busy. We've got so many things to catch up on. And one guy actually said, you know, he said, I wish that when people look at my calendar and they just see 30 minutes where it's not booked, that they looked at it and went, oh, I won't disturb him today. He looks obviously busy. He said, but that's not what happens. And he's a regional director. He said, that's not what happens. People actually look at it and go, oh, yippee, 30 minutes, I'll squeeze myself in there. (laughs) Now, obviously that raises a whole bunch of questions for us. However, it's like, and I looked there and said, how do you get anything done? He said, it's really difficult, you know. It is actually really difficult. This morning, I was having another conversation with somebody, and they're just like, ah, we, we, you know, these meetings, they're just back to back. I'm, I'm constantly being pulled into meetings. And I said, do you need to be there? So I was, well, I don't know, but I need to look at that, you know. I mean, maybe, you know. How do you, and then I have other scenarios, and this happens an awful lot. So we have a workshop that's running from, let's say, 10 till 12. And then somewhere through that, somebody says, oh, you know, I've got a meeting starting at 12. And I said, I look at them and go, but this one doesn't finish till 12. So now that person is either going to be leaving this learning session early and potentially missing out on, you know, which is often the case, that final golden nugget, which happens at the end of something, or they're going to be late to the next one, which is also going to be the case. And then I have to ask then, And so where do you, in between those two elements, do something human, like go to the bathroom or have a pee, get some refreshment, do whatever it is you need to do in between? Yeah. And, you know, something you said earlier, um, you know, thinking about where's your mind? Mm -hmm. 
because it's not there. And I can guarantee you that for the last 15 minutes of the engagement, they are really stressing about, okay, what have I prepared for the next one that's coming up? And going exactly. into the next one, you haven't reset, you haven't reframed, you haven't re-energized. Um, and the likelihood is that you haven't even given yourself a break to do that very basic human element. So you are now physically also under stress and frustrated going into the next one and causing untold issues, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, just going, here we go to the next one and here we go to the next one and just not stopping to say, okay, I'm going from potentially a learning engagement, but I now need a very different mindset because I'm going into maybe a decision-making meeting or I'm going into mm. a mentoring session or you could be going into a performance review with one of your team members. And what justice or injustice are you doing to the current moment that you are in? And what justice or injustice are you doing to the moment that you're going into? Because we're oh. just not present. No. I, I like those words. And it's interesting because the session this morning <laughs> where a lot of this was showing up was actually uh, called Psychological Safety for Leaders. You know? oh, wow. And their question is, how do we do this across all the company? Well, <laughs> it's, the reason we're here and starting here is because it kind of starts with you. So what are you modelling? What are you not modelling? And there was, you know, somebody else was saying, you know, I just just before this got an email that somebody's being booked off for two weeks under stress. And he says, no, I'm not surprised because we keep loading and loading and loading. And so what happens even as leaders, we say, look, you know, uh, oh, can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? Can you do And they're already busy as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just to help you get through your day. Uh, and then when do you do the hard work? Oh, we do that after hours um, because, you know, our family is yeah. actually not that important. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it does. It becomes this, this absolute, we often talk about the hamster wheel, you know, and you're going around and around and it's getting faster and faster and faster and you either flung off the hamster wheel or even mm. worse, you bounced in the hamster wheel like a tennis ball and then end up broken and bruised and, and booked off. And, mm. you know, I think we've both done that in, in previous experiences and previous working careers that we've had where we've gone, our emotional bank account is in such overdraft that you hit a brick wall and there is no more to give. And a few years ago, I did exactly that. And I was booked off for over a week because I physically and mentally and emotionally had no more to give. And I promised that I would never put myself in that situation again. Yeah. You know? And it's not that you don't come with a bucket load of energy to start with. So to what degree did that have to get to where there's no energy left, you know? Well, we don't call you the Energizer Bunny for nothing. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so it, me, I mean, I know I personally, I know I need a break right now. I don't know when I'm going to take that. But because we're not inside a big corporate, you know, and we're running our own thing here, it is a bit easier to say, okay, that's it, guys. I'm, I'm done for the day. I'm switching off. You know, it's okay. We can do that. You know? But how do you do that inside an organization? You know, and, and the other thing is the impact. What is the impact of this? So there's the physical impact, the emotional impact, 
the mental cognitive impact, not just on yourself, you know, but on everything else around you. That to-do list that always feels like it's just getting bigger instead of smaller. People, how can you con- actually help people in a conscious and, a, and mm, I don't want to say effective when we're saying healthy people, but you know what I mean, yeah. in a really helpful mm. way for them? How do you grow others when you're under stress yourself? Uh, particularly, we're talking very much today about leadership and and being a good leader and being a leader that is not a servant but can have a servant style and help others as well to achieve that outcome that needs to be achieved. And it's the conversations that we have and the conversations that we're not having. And, yeah, you know, recently one of Seth's blogs was around, but first we need to talk about it. And <laughs> one of the sections out of that, and it's a little mini blog, I'm, I'm sure we'll share a link to it in the show notes, is around yeah, yeah. we don't talk about all the time we waste in meetings. You know, we do talk about things like quarterly profits, sports rankings, celebrities, you know, the day's politics, those kind of things. So we put energy and we put time and we put focus on those systems. But what are the systems that are no longer serving us? You know, and is busyness one of those systems that is no longer serving us? And are we having the conversation to say, how do we change this? How do we actually say that it is expected that if you book a meeting, that you will then book a 15-minute timeout? Timeout for refreshing, timeout for recharging, timeout for being prepared for the next moment. That it is expected that we will start seeing blocks in your calendar for deep work and thinking, and innovation, and creativity. So for me, that block might be in the afternoon because I'm more of an owl than a lark. For you, Mm -hmm. that might be a block in the morning because you're a lark, and that's where your creative juices flow. Mm -hmm. So again, it comes back to that, you know, how are we we serving each other, and how are we giving justice to the role, to the organization, to the people we work with, to our clients, by saying that, Actually, being busy all the time is not healthy and it's not okay. What we do want to see is we want to see you recharging and energizing because that brings efficiency. It brings so much more productivity and it elevates the organization as well as the people in the organization to a level where we'll be able to get into that presence, into that mindfulness and into that flow where we're no longer being busy but we're actually creating a difference. I think there's something in here around understanding individuals and people as well. So understanding each other on the team also, because not everybody has the same levels of energy as the next person or capacity or abilities. So it is also looking at the team as a whole, if I'm managing a team and say, okay, I know that this person needs to have that quiet time so that they can reflect and re-energize another type of person. Well, in fact, I can send them to another meeting because they get energized through that. It's also looking about are we using people the right way, uh, not that poorly put, uh, are we allowing people to flourish, I think is the right word, in the Mm -hmm. best way for them, which then, as you just said, you know, 
helps contribute to the flourishing of the organization. Yeah. And it's not a competition to see who can be the busiest. Oh, my goodness me. That is such an 80s thing, you know. I mean, once uh, when I, you know, back then, it was like, you know, if you weren't in there, if you were still in the, if you were left the office before the CEO or whoever was your leader, you know, you weren't doing enough. Now, that doesn't, we know. And this stuff is now, you know, there's a lot of research around all of this that it isn't healthy for us, you know. But in the last couple of years, I do feel it has become endemic, an endemic issue. I mean, I do remember the days where you'd get home at night and you'd go, oh, my God, my day was just full of meetings. And that's when we had time to walk from one place to another or drive from one place to another or catch a train or whatever it is. And then we thought they were went. Now you don't even have to leave your seat. No. Right. And so I think there's some things here that, we as individuals or leaders need to do to protect time. How do you protect it? How do you build it into the systems? You know, a lot of the other challenge here, I think, too, might be around, well, we now have these collaborative tools that allow people in within teams and within organizations to share information, to see each other, to see each other's calendars, to just quickly dial up and talk or do whatever. But what's not there that goes along with that, I think, are things like team agreements. Are the systems set up properly in the first place? You know, I think we're inherently bad at saying, oh, let's get this new fandangled tool. We use it to a certain level that we think suits us, but we haven't really maximized its potential. So it becomes more of a hindrance than an aid in many ways. And I think we see this with this calendar sharing thing. If we allow people to book within 15 minutes, then whose fault's that? Exactly. You know, you know, what do we need to put in place? What do you need to put in place so that people cannot book you in that? Give yourself space. You know, I mean, I, we use a tool. I, I use it a lot, actually. Calendly. You know, so when people want to book me, I have set it up so that they cannot do, I can't, they can't give me more than four meetings in a day anyway, depending on the length of them. I always make sure there's 15 minute buffers on either side. So it always gives me nearly half an hour, in fact, Mm -hmm. if they were back to back, right? My version of back to back, because to me, that would be a back to back meeting with a half hour break in between. Um, you know, so those are the things that I think people need to start looking at as well. And how do we, how do we go to actually having those team agreements? Because we often make assumptions or we go, oh, but come on. And our previous conversation around common sense, but it's common sense. Well, yeah. how is it unless it is an agreed understanding that makes sense to all of us? So mm-hmm. if you had to give one piece of advice to a leadership team around setting up team agreements, what would you say? Have a conversation with the team. To start with, I'm, I'm not actually going to say something really silly, but I'm going to say have a meeting about the meeting, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> right? But have a hey, let's uh, <laughs> let's get together <laughs> and have a conversation around what are our team agreements? What are the rules of engagement for this? Now, I think there's something else in this too. And I'm going to overlay this a little bit with the hybrid working world, the way that we're starting to work now. You know, you have remote, you have in the office, you have, well, let me say shared spaces, 
you have remote spaces, but more importantly, it's what is the type of meeting you're having to start with? And honestly, the first question of any meeting that gets booked is, do we really need this? What is the purpose? And the next one is, do, then you have to ask yourself, do I even need to be there? So I was playing with a little bit of an idea, just sort of a, a, a communication model, if you like, the other day. And it was based around two continuums. So one is, is and you could add this to meeting. Does it, is it a formal meeting or an informal meeting? That could be one scale. The other side could be, is it about data sharing or status updates versus relational? And in these day and age, we do need to have those relational meetings and they need to be done with intent. Uh, mm -hmm. Not just random things, but we have intention around these meetings. So first step is to ask, do we need it in the first place? And the second question is, why are we having it? And is having a meeting the most, is it the best use of our time? Can it be done in a different way? And then we can start leading into things like asynchronous and synchronous, you know. If it's data sharing, use some of these collaboration tools to allow you to comment and to share data asynchronously, which means you're not in real time, yeah. Or if it's a relational type of meeting where you do need to see each other face to face or it's about decision making, then that's another story. And, and I quite love that because it really gives you that thought process of um, coming back to the why. What is the purpose of this? And if we understand mm. the purpose, we can then decide what do we do with it? And mm. when we think of the busyness of meetings and so often when people get invited to a meeting and their first thought is, well, I don't even know why I'm going to be there, but I suppose I best accept because I've been invited. But then they come mm. on and let's say it's an online meeting. What's the first thing they do? Make sure their camera's off because they don't really want to be present. So <laughs> I'm going to carry on doing what I really want to be doing in the background and I will just at least have my name on the, the attendance list because I was there. I may not have contributed. I may not be present, but I was there. Mm. And again, you know, we were talking about it earlier as around the, the whole decision-making and the leadership styles. So are we having meetings to just have meetings because I don't trust that what my team is doing is what they're doing? Bingo. Yep. Are we having meetings so that I can actually, you know, be supportive, be the conductor of what's going on and do those kind of check-ins and, okay, well, now off you go and do whatever you need to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Or are we actually, you know, kind of going, okay, we now have a very defined need. This is the outcome that we expect. So let's have a 20-minute meeting, you know, rather than an hour or half an hour, 45 minutes. Because if we mm -hmm. book an hour, trust me, I can talk. So I will make sure that I fill that hour with the people that have invited me. But yeah. if we book 20 minutes will it possibly more if be more efficient getting to the mm. point kind of like okay this is what we need now we mm. can move out um, mm. and, and how we chair those conversations both in person and virtually uh, uh, completely uh, you know I, I think in that respect it's it is where the the virtual meeting is different is that if you don't 
show up, and I mean turn on a camera or contribute, then it really is a waste of everybody's time. And it actually puts pressure on the people that are trying to conduct mm. the meeting. And I don't think people realise that. It's actually quite, if you're the facilitator or the chair of the meeting and you've got half the room not looking at you or not contributing, it actually puts a lot of stress and it actually will elongate the session because then you've got people going, hello, uh, are you there? And if they're not physically saying it, they're actually thinking it, you know. Or they're thinking, Um, why did we even bother inviting you? Because you you have no voice. And then that's another quick conversation. uh, Indeed. You know, so... And, it, and it's always interesting to me because you wouldn't walk into a room with a paper bag over your head. So why do you do it virtually is beyond my comprehension, to be honest. But, you know, I mm. like to see people on the screen. To me, I'm still talking to you, the person. I'm not talking to my computer. I'm talking to you. you exactly. And, and so there's some mindset shift there. Something else that comes up. And so with, there's team agreements. There's rules of engagement. Now, rules of engagement can be different for every type of meeting. So it's really first th- first and foremost, think about what is this meeting about? Do we have to have it first? Second question is, why do we have to have it? <laughs> right? So I'm going to put them both together. Then it's, what's its purpose? What do you want to, you know, maybe look at it from back to front sort of thing. What is the outcome I want from this meeting? And then work backwards from there. There's another, there's some tools, there's a great site for everybody out there, and we'll put this stuff into the resources. There's a site called management3.0.com, and they are an agile management organization, so they really look for efficiencies and around leadership, and it is about management and leadership for the newer world, if you like. And one of the tools that they have is something called the delegation poker. Now, they do actually have some cards, which I do have, but you can run it in the virtual realm as well. So maybe one way of setting up team agreements or an agreement is around the decision-making process. And and this came up because of a conversation, again, I had earlier today because somebody said, you know, I think I need to say to my team, they do not need to add me to every meeting. If I don't need to make the final decision in that meeting, why do I have to be there? Well, I said, that's a conversation you need to have. So I'm actually going to share this with that person uh, because I think it will help her a lot. Uh, and she will definitely be one of these, but she will make, she will love this, right? So that delegation poker is you basically set yourself up a spreadsheet and you think about, you know, down one side, you'll put down what are the key areas that we need, that we regularly make decisions on or we don't regularly make decisions on. And then across seven styles of delegation, if you like, we can, you can then put a cross in there. And if you all do that together, uh, then, you know, it's a visual thing that says, all right, do we need the most senior person for this meeting? Maybe not. Do I need to be in here because I can't make any difference to these decisions? Or is it a creative meeting? Fine. Then, you know, but really think about those purposes. So the, the, the seven elements are, is, you know, first of all, if I'm the leader, the seven types of decisions that I can make, uh, you know, I'm either going to be in the meeting because I need to tell you to do something, I need to tell the team what they need to know or do, or I need to be in there to sell you something, or I need to be in there, or I might consult to help you make decisions, or we might all agree, or I'll just let you agree, or I might come in, you might seek my advice, but you guys make the decisions. Or 
I'll be in there inquiring about how it's going, but you're doing it. And then the final thing is I completely delegate to you. I don't need to be there at all. So it's a great resource and you can have some play with it. And my friend, I can see. I know you, our listeners, can't see each other, but we can. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I really, you know, that, that just sits so well with me because for those out there who work with limits of authority around financial decisions, you know, it's, it's a great link because we then are clear. Okay. Well, I know that I can make a decision based on a spend of X amount. Exactly. So how this is bringing it into, okay, I can make a decision on this impact or within this yeah. realm. And my team trusts that I will be making the best decision based on the information and the input that we have at this time. Mm. Mm. And I think that's a, a fabulous way. And I know exactly who you're speaking about, and I can just absolutely see her buying into this and going, right, this is going to be happening next week with the team. We will be implementing yeah. this <laughs> because it will absolutely. give the leader in that case yeah. the freedom yeah. to actually say, okay, what can I extricate myself out of? Because mm. all I'm doing here is conducting my team. So it will help the leader be less busy. And it will likely help the team be less busy because they can then also be going, oh, actually, maybe I can say no to this because, <laughs> you know, yep. yes, I, I don't really need to be there. And we, we spoke about it earlier that that one word of two letters that is so powerful. So powerful. No. And yet... Yeah. We all find it so difficult to be able to say, thanks for the invite, but no. And mm. without having to give an excuse, without having to give a full reason, but just thanks, but no. Um, mm. Not for me. No is a very valid response to a request. But what we often find ourselves doing, and this moves us into the realms of what we call linguistic acts, right? So we make requests, we make offers, and I love this thing, we make lots and lots and lots of slippery promises. So if you think about that that person that rocks up to a meeting in the promise of being there, but actually they're not. So what's the point? Exactly. (laughs) Don't be there. Better off saying no. Exactly. So... When we, when we think about, you know, those kind of things and it links for me in the industry we work the most in with high hazard industries is around coming back to that speaking up because being able to be confident to say no to your team is very similar to being able to speak up and say, hang on, I don't think that this is safe or I don't feel that what we're doing here is okay. And I've mentioned it a few times, you know, just in general life. So we have, I was on a flight recently and Mm. a couple of times I would go into the bathroom and the drain was blocked. And I was the Mm. only person who ever let the air stewards know that there was an issue. Yet probably five or 10 people had been there in front of me. But Mm. there's this discomfort of, I don't know whether it's, I'm going to put someone out or I'm going to upset someone or it's just so awkward. But part of that team agreement is getting comfortable with being able to say, not today. Or, 
you know, I don't feel that I will add value to the session, so I'm going to decline. And should yeah. that need change, you can let me know and invite me in to either advise, yeah. inquire, consult, and and really getting exactly. comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. Something you know, I think there's something here around respect, permission, and dignity. Oh, I love that. So before we move into our today's emotional gem, which is dignity, let's summarize a little bit what we've just said. Because it seems to me that, you know, if we don't start meetings with at least the why or the purpose, then we're just, you know, having a meeting for the sake of having a chat. Now, those sometimes are very valid, but then that's a purpose because we're doing it with intent. So I think some of the things that we said here is, you know, see how you can build in planned deep work time or time out or build in that buffer on either side that cannot be booked. It might be five minutes. We appreciate that everybody has a lot to do. So it doesn't have to be 15 minutes on either side, but at least give yourself enough to get a glass of water or go to the bathroom if you have to. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Think about, I think something that you've put here, Mills, is, you know, outcomes-based agenda. And it makes such a difference. What do we want to achieve so that we are all walking into the session knowing that we want to achieve X? Yeah, absolutely. I think something else you said was, you know, shorter meetings are more efficient. Exactly. We'll fill the time if we have to. It's there. So let's use it, especially for someone like me who just loves people. And for someone like me, you might be wanting to avoid doing something else. But, you know, that's okay. (laughs) You know, so if you're online, try to put your camera on as much as possible. Now, again, this is about team agreements or rules of engagement for a meeting. It is perfectly, perfectly valid for some, for all you, everybody at the beginning of the meeting say, listen, today, you know, internet's rubbish, so we won't be having any cameras on. Fine. Then everybody turn their camera off, you know? So that we're not talking about people that are struggling with technology. And I don't mean that from a, they're struggling, but sometimes technology lets us all down, you know? Uh, so that we're not saying that, you know, you've got to force things. People will say, well, it's about psychological safety. It is about psychological safety, but it goes both ways. Yeah. So how do you respect the people that I've got their cameras on versus those that don't, you know? But if the beginning of the team is saying, listen, this is a quick catch up, just a, we only have to hear voices. Fine. You know, absolutely. And, and that's a, a really important one. And then mm-hmm. on that, there's two that I was thinking about that might not particularly relate to meetings. But it mm. relates to reducing the amount of data that is flowing in our directions or that we are yep. putting out to others. And the one is adopting in emails the CC rule. So if you are only, if I'm only in this email thread because it's for information purposes, should I be interested? Put me in CC. But then know that I will not be responding and I will not be engaging. And that again comes down to that team agreement because so often you're in the two line of absolutely every thread that is happening mm. and yet it's not really relevant or you are not needing to give advice or input into it. So if that is such a, a seamlessly or seemingly 
small change, but it can make a massive difference. Mm. And then the other one that I love is around the five-line emails. And the French philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal famously wrote, I would have written a short letter, but I didn't have the time. (laughs) And because what happens is that we feel we've got so much to put out there, Mm. but we complicate the message with conversational waste. Mm. Instead of taking the time to be succinct and saying, here are the key elements. And if I feel someone needs more, I'll add that in an attachment. Mm. But let me grab their attention with no more than five lines in the initial email. So those were the two that I I have found to be really helpful in reducing the overload that comes my way or that I might be putting out to others. One more thing that just I'm sort of going to throw in here, and we're not going to talk about it too much, but something for people to consider is the communication style of others. So part of that team agreement is understanding. I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier about, you know, whether your your energy levels are better in the afternoon versus the morning. That's a bit more around self-management, I think. But as a team, if you're a close team, you can figure that out and say, well, I'm not going to disturb Kat in the morning because I know she's not a morning person, you know, but I'll, I can talk to flossy over there because she loves she's up even before me you know um so there is that but i think there's more to it than that some people need more detail others need less so now we're talking about you know diversity of personality or character you know what else do we need to know so this is a very complex area we're not by any stretch of the imagination going to suggest that this is easy But I do wonder how much of this busyness is habitual and how much of it do we disrespect ourselves and those around us by just overloading. So that brings us to our emotional gem today, dignity. And I love dignity because dignity really, I've actually been doing a bit of work around this because dignity is about setting boundaries as much as anything. So the story behind dignity is I am worthy, I am enough as I am. Impulse is to act as a legitimate human being deserving of, in brackets, self-respect. So the self is in brackets. So both of self-respect and respect. Yeah, And its purpose allows us to set and protect our personal boundaries. So dignity comes down into even how things like uh, imposter syndrome and all of these other things are fed through dignity. So dignity, and I'm, I'm actually reading this from the app, app today, is one of the most important emotions in terms of self-identity, yet it is unfamiliar to many, many people. To feel dignity means to feel worthy. It is the belief that we are as important as any other person and that we deserve our place in the world. In other words, we are a legitimate human being. Another belief is that we have the right to choose for ourselves. Did we hear that? The power of no comes to mind. So when I'm acting from dignity, I decide what I will believe, what I will do in my life, who I will be with, and what treatment I will accept from others. Dignity allows me to set my boundaries, and if they are crossed, indignance will be provoked to defend them. (laughs) 
So I'm not going to go much further into that because dignity is quite a big emotion, a very deep emotion. Uh, but it seems like a nice one for today because I think sometimes, you know, are we not self-respecting ourselves and we just say yes to everything? When in our heart we think, I don't really need to be that meeting, then don't be there. But what are the boundaries that you need to set and who do you need to have that conversation with to feel comfortable to be able to do that? And on that note, we'll see you next week. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for joining us today. Always lovely to have these conversations that matter. We'll be delighted if you share this podcast and hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast platforms such as Apple or Spotify, etc. Connect with us via our website, www.safetycollaborations.com, where you will find the show notes for today's episode. Email us at hello at safetycollaborations.com. We'd be delighted to hear from you. We are easy to find on LinkedIn. Just look out for either Nula Gage or Karen Avari and follow our company page, Safety Collaborations. Until next week, stay safe and stay well. Stay well.